Welcome to the Movie Planet. With Joe. Are you cussing with me? No, you cussing with me? JC. Well, I guess he's just different. And Joel. I understand what you're saying and your comments are valuable, but I'm going to ignore your advice. I'm your host, Joe, and with me is the Mr. Fox and Badger to my bogus Bunsen Beans, JC and Joel. How are we doing today? Doing well. Hey. I'm happy who, to be back. Who is Fox and who is Badger? I, just, I got a uh, Bill Murray basketball jersey off Amazon this week, so I can take Badger if you want the Fox. Why am I not the female Fox? There, I mean, I've, how many Okay, this how time many I did not row, put a female there, so you could not go there. How many weeks in a row have I been a female? I just figured he was trying to pigeonhole me. No, I put it in there so that you <laughs> couldn't <Pigeonhole>. pick one. <laughs> But we are going to get ready to discuss uh, the Wes Anderson uh, stop motion feature, Fantastic Mr. Fox. FMF. Yeah, so uh, here we cuss. Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies. I make films. This week, we are talking about the 2009 Fantastic Mr. Fox, directed by Wes Anderson, screenplay by Wes Anderson and Noan Baumbach. The story by Roald Dahl. Baumbach. Baumbach. I like that name. Yeah. Starring the voices of <laughs> George Clooney as Mr. Fox, Meryl Streep as Mrs. Fox, Jason Schwartzman as Ash, Bill Murray as Badger, Wallace Wolodarski as Kylie, Eric Chase Anderson as Christopherson, Michael Gambon rest in peace, as Franklin Bean, Willem Dafoe as Rat, Owen Wilson as Coach Skip, Jarvis Cocker as Petey, <laughs> you wrote a bad song, Petey, Wes Anderson as Weasel, Karen Duffy as Linda Otter. So, uh, Joe, do you yeah. have uh, any, anything about the making of the film you would like to talk about? This is a film that was, is very star-crossed. Uh, this film was made for about $40 million and made $46 million at the box office. Uh, this was a weird rollout. The first two weeks it was released in four theaters and was going up against 2012, Pirate Radio, Twilight New Moon, The Blind Side, A Christmas Carol, and Planet 51. The weekend it expanded to over 2,000 theaters, the big hitters were already in their second and third weeks of release, but still lost to kid movies, Planet 51, and A Christmas Carol. Why the studio didn't release this in more theaters than 2,000 only makes sense if they didn't think they could beat the other children's movies or late winter blockbusters. Because a couple weeks later, The Princess and the Frog and Avatar was released and buried it. You know Michael Gambon's still alive, right? Yeah, that's funny, right? I mean, <laughs> Who am I thinking of? Richard Harris. Richard. Oh, yeah, yeah, he he replaced Richard Harris. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> uh, this is a new game called Dead or Alive. Richard Gambon, <laughs> alive. Sorry, Mikey. So <laughs> Richard Gambon. Michael Gambon. <laughs> Altogether, you have me reading and talking now. Altogether, five hundred thirty-five puppets were made for the film. Mr. Fox had seventeen different styles alone, and each of Mr. Fox's styles had to be done in six different sizes. He has one hundred two puppets alone. Oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, Anderson wanted to use real animal hair for all of the animal puppets, even though it meant that the hair would appear to ripple unnaturally in the film due to the puppeteers handling the models between frames. The rippling was apparently intentional. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for the moving water, Wes Anderson used saran wrap, and for the smoke, cotton balls. Yeah, cool. Okay. 
Uh, in the original book, humans and animals never directly interact with one another, so it is never clear if they can understand each other. Here, they clearly can. When Mr. Fox asks Bean if he bought the, brought the boy, Bean replies and clearly understands him. That's true. Uh, when Ash and Mr. <coughs> Fox are in the sewer talking, Ash is si sitting still, staring down the viewer. This is what is commonly known as the Kubrick stare, a technique developed by Stanley Kubrick, and the director would often use it when a character had to be intimidating or unsettling. Uh, the film was one of the first films to require smoking as one of its content reasons in its rating information. That's awesome. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, this is the first animated film distributed by Regency P Pictures and the first stop-motion animated film for 20th Century Fox and the first animated film for Fox Searchlight Pictures since Waking Life 2001. Can I just say it's interesting that you said that fact because when I put this movie in last night to watch it, I thought to myself... Oh, the Regency like little laser logo, mm -hmm. and then it made me question like, which studio has the best opening logo, like the best opening animation? Like I like the Regency one, the little like, like looks like a lightning bolt, and then oh, it's an R. DreamWorks has a so it, cool it, one sometimes. it makes it made me wonder like we as a as a trio we should come up with what is our favorite studio opening logo. Not to completely go off on a tangent, but one more here, and I'll talk about mine. Oh. Wes Anderson as the voice of the real estate agent Weasel. I love that they picked a weasel as the real estate agent. <laughs> now, as for which one is my favorite, I'm, I'm trying to think of the, the iconic ones. You got DreamWorks. You right. have Imagine. MGM's Lion. MGM's Lion. Uh, 20th Century Foxes. And then New Line Cinemas. Yeah. You know, New Line Cinema. And yeah, that, the way that to goes be honest, in, that one really became big because of Lord, Lord of the, the Rings. Rings. Yeah. <laughs> you see that going, you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, that's it for music, uh, trivia, though. All right. So let's start. Were you all excited to see this movie at all? I am always excited to see a movie that I've never seen before that is highly regarded by my friends. Uh, I don't know how I missed this film when it first came out, but better late than never, right? Yeah. It might have been because it came out the same time. I was like, up in every other children's yeah. movie. Horrible JC? movie, up. Uh, I was excited because Joel was excited. I knew I had seen it, and Joel, Joel and I have talked about this. I knew I'd seen this movie before. Couldn't tell you when, but I remember I remember in my in my brain box thinking, okay, I've seen this and I thought it was pretty good. But Joel was so excited about this movie, I was excited to watch it because I knew Joel was excited to watch it. Um, this is one of my go-to busy work movies. This, The Hobbit, and Moneyball. But um, I always put it on when I'm grading papers or if I just have something to do and I need something that I'm familiar with going on in the background. I'm always excited to watch this, especially now that I could watch it and truly look for pros and cons. People had always told me that I would enjoy this movie, uh, so when I finally saw it at Best Buy during my student teaching in college, I just went ahead and bought it. Fair um, enough. So we are going to go ahead and read the synopsis, courtesy of our friends over at IMDb. Thank you for the plug. <laughs> Send us money. Don't buy this tree, Foxy. You're borrowing at nine and a half with no fixed rate, plus moving into the most dangerous neighborhood in the country for someone of your type of species. You're exaggerating, Badger. <laughs> I'm sugarcoating it, man. This is Bogus, Bunce, and Bean, three of the meanest, nastiest, ugliest farmers in the history of this valley. Really? Tell me about them. All right. Walt Bogus is a chicken farmer, probably the most successful in the world. He weighs the same as a young rhinoceros. He eats three chickens every day for breakfast, lunch, supper, and dessert. That's 12 in total per diem. 
Nate Bunce is a duck and goose farmer. He's approximately the size of a pot-bellied dwarf, and his chin would be underwater in the shallow end of any swimming pool on the planet. His food is homemade donuts with smashed-up goose livers injected into them. Frank Bean is a turkey and apple farmer. He invented his own species of each. He lives on a liquid diet of strong alcoholic cider, which he makes from his apples. He's as skinny as a pencil, as smart as a whip, and possibly the scariest man currently living. The local human children sing a kind of eerie little rhyme about him. Here, listen to this. And summation, I think you just gotta not do it, man. That's all. I understand what you're saying and your comments are valuable, but I'm gonna ignore your advice. The cuss you are. The cuss am I? Are you cussing with me? No, you cussing with me. Don't cuss and point you're me. You're gonna cuss with somebody. Don't you're not you, gonna cuss with me, you little cuss. <laughs> Just by the tree. Okay. <laughs> um, Mr. Fox and his wife, Felicity Fox, sneak into a hen house to steal chickens or squab. They're caught in a cage on the way out because Mr. Fox sees the trap and can't resist the temptation to spring it. As they hear someone coming, Mr. Fox re- Mrs. Fox reveals that she is pregnant and makes Mr. Fox promise that if they get away, he'll give up raiding farms. All right. Uh, I love... <laughs> the fact that they turned the 2D at the very beginning of this into almost like a video game, like yeah. a 2D yeah. side-scroller. Yeah. I thought that was pretty genius to pull off, Yeah, uh, along with the fact that they used Beach Boys, Heroes and yeah. Villains. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Is it, is it spring-loaded? No. Yeah. No, it just drops down. <laughs> Cut to a few years later, the foxes evidently escaped and now live underground in their with their slightly odd son, Ash. Mr. Fox is working a safe job as a journalist. Against the advice of Badger, his attorney, he moves his family into a larger and finer home inside of a tree on a hill. The treehouse has a good view of the nearby farms of Bogus Bunsen Bean. He does, he's tired of being poor. His father died at seven and a half fox years, and he's at seven. He well, he's also having to, a bit of a midlife crisis. He doesn't he's want to very much having anymore. an end-life crisis. Yeah. yeah. And he's just tired of living as a typical fox, and he wants to get out of living in a hole in the ground. Yeah. Yeah. I Ash is interesting. I love Ash. I was going to say, I think it's an interesting twist in that clearly we are supposed to understand from the beginning that Mr. Fox has his shit together. He's well-liked. He's good at whatever he does, but he's pissed now because he can't do what he's good at. Mm. But then we cut to this son that is clearly awkward and clearly the antithesis of his father. So that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, and from the beginning, you get, like, the disconnect between father and son of the dad is, the, like, the fast-talking, smooth, sly fox, if you will. And his son is the, Not. like, comic book dressing, just unique individual that doesn't want to go to school. Wears a cape. Sick. And wears capes I'm all sick. the time. You're not sick. I don't want to go. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and you also you get a sense immediately for what kind of movie you're going to be watching here. It's not a straight comedy. Uh, I'll be honest, I still wouldn't call it a comedy at this point. For me, I was sort of like, but I didn't look at, at this all point, this. At no. this point, I'm just like, okay, what is this? But I mean, it, depend, it depends on what you're looking for, because if you James love... Is, JC's <laughs> microphone just ran away from him. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
like the George Clooney fast talking. If that's the humor you like, which I do, I love. That's why I like Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, you, it gets you right away because she's like, you know, foxes hole live in holes for reasons. Like, oh, well, yes and no. You know. <laughs> yeah. It, come, come see, come saw. But there's also, I'm also getting the sense that as I watch this, at this point, I'm sitting there going, okay, does anybody get excited? Like, there's one emotion through the entire thing. It's just, it'd be, it'd be having a conversation like this. Uh, boy, I'm really glad that we, we, we got that, that chicken over there. I am too. We should, we should probably dance. Yes, we should dance. That doesn't happen to you. No, I know that. <laughs> I know he's that. Descri- but he's describing that's what the conversation. The conversation. Like, there is no, like, there's, there's one tone to the film, and it's that tone. Yeah. And so right. if you're Entire not ready for film. that tone, yeah. and you're not ready for that, then it could paint this in a different way for you. Right. But that's also like going to like a horror movie and be like, why is nobody laughing? Why is there, why is there nobody? Like, why, why are they trying to scare me so much? You're going to a Wes Anderson movie, so if you know about Wes Anderson, you have to uh, like, know and, what you're getting into. And see, there's the... Cru- but, and I wasn't going to get into this until we got to the analysis later. I had read Joe's, well, this is Wes Anderson being Wes Anderson, and then you just made the comment, well, it's a Wes Anderson film, so you should know what you're getting... I didn't. You I didn't literally, know it was Wes Anderson? I, no, well, no, I knew, but I didn't know what that meant. I don't oh, know what really? I don't know. No, I didn't. I have no clue like what Wes Anderson means and all of that. And so I literally was watching this movie last night, wondering what the hell is going on. That's awesome. Like I the whole time, and again, I wasn't going to get into this until we did the analysis. But I'm like, why? Why is there? Why is this all being said in the exact same tone? It's monotone to me. Like, and literally, it wasn't until halfway through the film. That I started thinking, I'm like, wait, is this a drama or is this a comedy? And I literally got to the point where I'm like, I don't know what the hell this story's about. I don't know what this is about. Now, you, of course, say, well, it's supposed to be dry humor. And now I'm actually replaying parts of the movie. And I'm like, oh, I get that now. But I didn't know that going in. Like, so watching this movie straight from the get-go, I'm like, what the hell is happening? That's literally the easiest way I can sum it up in that. I had no clue what the hell was going on. The other thing about this is that it is beautiful. Yeah. Like, every shot is pretty. Born on well, a mountain. And, that, and that's the other thing is I, I felt like this was one of those smart movies. This is one of those movies where I need to pay attention to everything because everything means something. So I agree with the pretty shot. But I, I got tired watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Cool. We're five minutes into the film. So sorry. We'll oh, yeah. Well, yeah, sorry. I apologize. <laughs> um, so Ash is immediately hostile when his cousin Christofferson joins the family after for an extended visit because his father is sick. He makes the inoffensive Christofferson sleep under a table in the bedroom they share. Ash feels threatened because his cousin appears to be good at everything. Christofferson even succeeds at Whackbat, a cricket-like game whose Baroque rules are explained by Coach Skip, uh, Owen Wilson. Though Christofferson has never played it before. Meanwhile, Mr. Fox plots with Kylie, the treehouse caretaker, uh, to raid the Bogus Bunsen Bean Farms, going back to his roots of being a thief. They take Christofferson, but not Ash, along on the raids, which, depe- which deepens Ash's resentment. Mr. Fox is careful to conceal these outings, to conceal these outings from Felicity, his wife, who no- nevertheless becomes suspicious when unexplained food appears in their pantry. She warns Fox, if what I think is happening is happening, it better not be. Um, the, the game of Whack Bat is classic Wes Anderson. A lot of exposition to explain something that is so quirky. You sit, stop and you go, I need to watch that again to, 
See if yeah, they understand I, what the rules I, are. Yeah. They don't he was like trying to understand Quidditch. <laughs> they don't have Wackbat across the pond? <laughs> he really is your father's nephew. Not by blood. Yeah. No? <laughs> but I'm also, I'm also at a point now where I'm sitting there going, okay, Wes Anderson uses all the same actors, too. Because he's got Owen Wilson as the coach at right. Wackbat. Well, they were uh, roommates at Texas, right? Oh, were they? Yeah, they were college roommates. Okay. Well, that's probably how they met to do Bottle Rocket. Yeah. In the, with Luke and Owen. Yeah. Okay. Um, the success of the raids leads the three angry farmers to set up a stakeout to set up a stakeout at the treehouse, where they shoot off Fox's tail before the animals run back inside. The farmers try to dig them out, but the foxes dig faster. Eventually, they find their way into the sewers, where they join forces with many other animals made homeless by the farmers' destruction of their hill. These neighbors are none too pleased with Fox for bringing this revenge down on them all. During the dig faster scene, did anybody here think of Dig Dug? No. What's, What's Dig Dug? The arcade game where you look and you go and you dig down into everything. And this is no. the second video game reference. Maybe he was chipping away at that. I don't know. Maybe. Um, I like this because it shows the selfishness of Fox and how everyone else is just tired of it. Like they've experienced this before. They're all kind of fed up with. But Mr. they're still Fox. going with it. Well, they have no other option. Well, they could always just go home. They don't have a home. No, that yeah, they're <laughs> they sort they're sort of it. stuck. But I mean, is, oh, he's not with Badger and all them. And, and that's one thing where I do well, and I'll cut into that later. But I think this is one of the things that works well, and that Fox, everybody hates what Fox has done. But the only way that they can get out of it is if Fox acts like Mr. Fox. The only thing that will save them is if Mr. Fox acts like Mr. Fox, but they all hate that they're in this situation because of Mr. Fox. And I thought that was clever and that was intriguing. Uh, Mr. Fox, though penitent, is impressible. He marshals the animals, calling them by their Latin names and noting each one's special talent. He organizes a tunneling project to burrow under all three farms and make away with all of Boggess's chickens, all of Bunce's ducks and geese, and all of Bean's turkeys, apples, and cider. Ash and Christofferson's relationship, meanwhile, has begun to thaw after Christofferson defends his cousin from a bully. Bully, why'd you take your shoes off so I don't break your nose when I kick it? Um, well, that's exactly how those lines are delivered, too. Yeah. Um, Christofferson, like many of them, he's just a very like flat character. But he practices yoga and karate, and he's, he's just better very, at everything than anybody else. Yes, because he's just very intricate with everything he does. Even in the lab, which is one of my favorite scenes we'll get to later, he is just like exact with measurements, and he's very precise when he talks, and he's very kind and friendly. Um, but so after this, the two cousins slip away from the celebration that follows the mega raid. They aim to get Fox's tail back from Bean so that Ash can surprise his dad and, and make him proud. However, the closest they get to the tail is seeing it on TV. Bean is wearing it as a necktie. Worse, Mr. Bean catches Christofferson. Mrs. Bean, sorry, thank you. Worse, Mrs. Bean catches Christofferson, and Bean plans to use them to catch Mr. Fox. Do you want to say something? No, I was waiting for Okay, you. I was going to say... When they're when they're sitting there eating the the pastries, apple snap cookies. Thank you. Uh, and then the light turns on. There was a moment where I sat there and I literally yelled at the screen, "Get in the hole!" <laughs> because they just stood there, and That's I'm like, funny. "If this is how one of them is going to get caught, no, 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 no." I that that was my first real disagreement with the film was that animals would have immediately gone into hide mode. Wasn't she so. standing near the hole, though? 
No, the hole was a good six, six feet in front of her. Hmm. Yeah. Well, she did have a butcher's knife. <laughs> she walked over to get one as they were still standing there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember that one enough. Um, this kind of paints the picture also of they're on a mission, but they're also still animals and get distracted when food is near. There's a balance in this movie about, like, the human aspect of, mm-hmm. like, the... There's, like, stuff that goes between, like, Freud and one of the other philosophers that has a big parallel in this movie. But they can never, in this mo- film, seem to shake their natural instincts and desires. Um, Fox sends a message to the farmers asking, the, asking for a meeting in a town near a sewer hub. Fox offers to surrender in exchange for Christofferson's freedom. The farmers set up an ambush, but Fox and the others anticipate it to launch a counterattack and la- launch a counterattack. Fox, Ash, and Kylie escape the scene in the town and slip into Bean's farm. A much-matured Ash frees Christofferson and impresses his father in the gang by braving enemy fire to release a rabid beagle that keeps the farmers at bay while the group escapes back to the sewers. On the way, they see a dark wolf on the hillside above the road. Fox has said he's afraid of wolves, but he stops and tries to speak to this one in English and French. It doesn't respond until the fox fox raises his fist in a gesture of solidarity. The wolf returns the gesture and departs into the woods. This is a scene that is talked about a lot online because the first time you watch it, honestly, like the first four times you watch it, you're like, why? Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll get to that a little bit later. Do you want to say something? No, I was going to say, why? Yeah. That's exactly it. Why? And... I'm curious to hear what you interpret this as because it's going to go into who's the audience for this film. Because you're bringing up a lot of deep, psychological, philosophical things that I didn't get when I watched this. And if you don't see it the first two times, or first time, you know, first yeah. time, and, and as an adult, you know, the more you climb into it, the deeper, then who's the audience? Is it adults or is it children? We will get there. <laughs> By this time, Ash and Christofferson have settled their differences and become good friends, sharing meditation and other activities. Though the animals are still trapped in the sewers, Fox leads them to a drain in the floor of a large supermarket, which, unbeknownst to them, is owned by the three farmers. Celebrating their abundant new food source in the news that Felicity is pregnant again, the animals dance in the aisles. Is it unbeknownst to them? Because there is a plane that flies overhead during one of their things that says opening soon, and it shows that name of the grocery store on top of it. Well, yeah. Well, I thought they were there on purpose. They knew it was theirs, and they were finally celebrating like we won anyway. I think it was unbeknownst to like everyone else, but maybe Fox knew that, and that was the purpose of where he ended up burrowing. Okay. Um, I also like how Ash is the only one that doesn't have cider. He's got grape juice. Got, and it's all over him. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so what did you all, and that's where the credits roll. Yeah. So what did you all think after watching this film? Uh, yep, that's a Wes Anderson film. Mm-hmm. So this is a movie that everyone loves. After I watched it, I was very confused. And so, of course, I do what I do. I do research. And it has like a 90, like it's like 92% love. Like mm. everyone loves this movie. But all I can imagine is that I'm that kid in the class where everyone is laughing at the joke. And I'm laughing, too, but I'm doing it because everyone else is, not because I understood the joke. Nickelback. I'm, I'm doing it. Uh, yeah. Hey, okay. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say, well, no, no, I'm not mad at anybody. 
But as a person who can like <laughs> listen to a Nickelback song and be like, look, it's not that bad. They're not a they're not a going into any Hall of Fame, nor do they need to. But I'm thinking like, oh, it's not that bad. I all I like this movie. I think this is the total opposite of Nickelback in that Nickelback gives you just like heavy bar chords and it's like something that means nothing and people are like yeah that's good but then after you more you listen to it, you're like oh this is obnoxious Fantastic Mr. Fox as you listen to you see it the first time you're like I don't get this and the more time you watch you're like oh I appreciate this and I agree with Joel there I do like I said I feel like I've, I haven't seen this enough I know I, this is probably the second time I've seen it Hearing Joel talk about this movie makes me like it. You clearly understand what this movie was telling me. I just didn't get it myself. This is a movie that after hearing you explain it and hearing you go deeper, I can go back in my brain box and appreciate the scenes that I did not understand when I watched them myself. The problem is, is if I didn't have you explaining it to me, would I have liked it on my own? Yeah. I don't know. Um, Joel, I love you. You, you should probably put your bandit hat on now. Personally, <laughs> I, I don't have one, but I modified this tube sock. <laughs> we look good. Yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, I loved it again. Did the awards get it right? Now, the Academy Awards, it was up for Best Animated Feature. It was up against Up, Coraline, another stop-motion film, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, The Princess and the Frog, and The Secret of Kells, Up won. Bullshit. Uh, up I think such a horrible movie. I think Up won because of the first five minutes. Because the I, first five minutes of Up hate, is fantastic. I hate Up because of the first ten minutes. See, it's really funny. I had no idea that it was Up against Up. But <laughs> my brother and I are very, and I told him, I sent him a text. I said, I said, we are doing Fantastic Mr. Fox right now, or this week. Now is your time to finally watch it. And I'll get to that a little bit later. Um, but the movie that made him like cry for the first time was Up. Mm-hmm. Like that was just a movie that got him, and I, and I agree. I couldn't watch up after the first ten minutes. I was done after yeah. the first ten minutes. So it's so yeah. funny that his like his cartoon that is associated with him is up, and the I guess it's not cartoon, the animated movie that I associate with is Fantastic Mr. Fox, and they're both up against each other in the same year. Yeah, no fun and thin. Now it's for best animated feature. So would we agree that maybe Fantastic Mr. Fox should have won this one? Yes. As an animated feature, not just the first ten minutes. Oh no, no. As I, I don't think it was, or I don't think Up should have won. Yeah. Not for animation. Though. And as for the other ones, you know, Coraline, I can't get Coraline, behind. Coraline, maybe, but I don't think they did the complexity because I've seen Coraline. Yeah. But Fantastic Mr. Fox did complex things like water, like smoke, mm-hmm. like fire. Like there was just a whole lot more complex stop motion. Coraline was just stop motion in the dark, well, where you can hide a lot more things. Yeah. I've never seen Coraline, but it is interesting when I looked up, because I wanted to say, okay, I want to compare this with other stop motion movies. Coraline was like second to Fox on everything in like uh, and I Before would, Christmas. I would agree with and that. And so it's funny that out of such a rare movie to be made with a stop motion movie, that they both, they came, both out came out in the same, same year. year. Yeah. yeah. That, is that, that rarely ever happens. Uh, for best original score, up one, Michael Giacchino. And you know what? Here's the thing. When I look at this, it was up against up one. It was against Avatar, Fantastic Mr. Fox, The Hurt Locker, and Sherlock Holmes. I can honestly say of the four, five movies there, the one theme I can hear in my head is ups. It's the one I remember. See, and maybe my problem is since I block that movie. And, possibly, so, yeah. and so I don't remember the, the music. What I remember is Zimmer and Horner. And of those two, I remember Horner more. So I, in my opinion, I feel like Avatar should have won that year. And it wasn't soundtrack, because Fantastic Mr. Fox had the best soundtrack. Yeah. But it's not an original score by any no, means. It's not um, an original score. Well, 
um, well, you're, you make a very good point. In the soundtrack, mm-hmm. yes. Um, Fantastic Mr. Fox is actually on my playlist of classroom uh, soundtracks to play with, like, The Terminal and there's another Home Alone I put on there. But the this guy, I'm not even going to try to say his name. Alexander Desplat? Yeah, her. Um, <laughs> he, he does every single Wes Anderson movie. So if you look at the soundtrack for uh, Life Aquatic, mm-hmm. he did that with for the most part. And so I love, I absolutely love that, that part of the soundtrack. However, I haven't heard the others enough to really say, okay, this was better, this was better. Because one of the best parts of Fantastic Mr. Fox were the songs that they brought in from the outside. Yeah. Like, my, the weirdest one is always my favorite, and it gets me in as the born on a mountaintop in Tennessee. Oh, Davy Crockett at the beginning. Yeah, and he's listening to Davy Crockett. Maybe that's just the Tennessean in me, on his little, like, Walkman <laughs> on his hip. Um, but I, I can't say whether it got the original score right or wrong, because he's all, from what I've seen, I like the Hurt Locker. It's hard to say anything with Pixar isn't a winner as far as soundtrack goes. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a very heavy uh, nominee. Yeah. It, okay, and then finally at the Golden Globes, uh, Best Animated Feature again went to Up, but this time instead of The Secret of the Kells, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs was in the running. Uh, this, I'm looking at this, and it, this was not the best year for animation. It, it, it looks still like. should have been Fantastic Mr. Fox. That's surprising, because usually the Golden Globes gets it right. Yeah. If, it, right. if, if one got it right, then the other one doesn't. Or if you think about it, it probably should have been Up for Golden Globes and then Fantastic Mr. Fox for the Academy Awards. You know, yeah, because true. Golden Globes is more of the popular vote, vote, and the Academy Awards is more of the, you know, we're snooty. Hoity toity. Right. That is the funny thing because when I am in the mood to watch Fantastic Mr. Fox, it's when I'm in the mood to watch Whiplash or in the mood to watch Birdman. Or I want to watch like art. that. Yeah, it's when you're, and maybe this is it, and I was thinking about it uh, when you all were talking about it. Fantastic Mr. Fox is a movie that I love to watch by myself. Mm-hmm. If you if you can only watch a movie like by yourself, that's great. But if I'm with a bunch of other people, that's when I love to watch like, the Spaceballs and the Tropic Thunder. This Caddy is your Shack. Castaway because Castaway is yeah. a movie I want to yeah. watch by myself. This is your Castaway. Yeah. There you go. Um, but so, what worked well for you all in this movie? <clears throat> Did you have any favorite parts? Okay, uh, I love the use of heroes and villains at the beginning during the Squab Run. Uh, and I get around during plan to get back at the farmers and rescue Christopher and Old Man River at the end. Beach Boys always equals good. Okay, it's my favorite band of all time. Uh, and I have every single album, every single song that they've ever cut. And so when they were playing Old Man River, I was immediately sitting there going, "Oh, I see what they did. They used the 1963 version, and then they used the 1975 version. They put them all together. That's pretty cool." Uh, so my mind went immediately to the music. Uh, beginning is framed like a 2D video game, which I thought was very ingenious. Ash versus Christopher and tantrums are great. Uh, Clooney's voice acting is very, oh, brother, where art thou in the delivery? And Bill Murray is fantastic as Badger because he, I said earlier that everybody delivers the lines the same way except Bill Murray. Which is weird because he do, he delivers his the same way in every movie he does mm-hmm. except for this one. That's a really good point. Yeah, yeah, he, he goes up and down with it. Bill Murray seems like the only, quote, voice actor mm-hmm. in this film. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, but well, and, and I understand everybody sounds the same, but I still thought that they did that because of the Wes Anderson-ness of it, as yeah. I've had that explained to me. <laughs> what I think went well was Mr. Fox being the reason for their problems, but he's the only real solution to their problems. Uh, I love the voice actors. I thought all of them were brilliant. 
I thought when Owen Wilson came out, I'm like, oh, that's a good fit. Like, uh, uh, Meryl Streep, good fit, and all of the. I just thought everybody fit their character. The stop motion, the actual animation was amazing. I love the social stereotypes. The thing between Ash and Christopherson, the way with the weasel and the rats and all of that, like all of the social stereotypes were well thought out. And my favorite scene in the whole thing is the bully scene when Christopherson puts the bully in his place. Hands down, my favorite scene. That's awesome. Joel? Um, mine is literally anytime Ash speaks. It's I love the little bandit hat and the ears and the, like when the ear tw- yeah Joe's doing it right now when the ear twitches and he spits on the floor I don't yeah. I didn't catch that until like the fifth time through when I watched it um, but I love his interactions with Fox that paints a very good picture of a father that got a son that he wasn't expecting that turned out the way that he didn't expect him to turn out and the challenge of like accepting him for who he is. Um, the dry dialogue gets me every time. And I, for some reason, I love just very dry movies. I think that's – when I'm frustrated with students, I get, like, very animated so they know that, like, I'm not that upset, but you all need to know what's going on, and you got to hear me right now. But if I want to just, like, really, like, joke around with students, I just drop about as flat as it gets and will, like, try to take food off their plate, like, with a very serious face, and they're like – Stop! I'm like, what? It, yeah. It's free. Or, or like, or like, take somebody's keys. Yeah, like, like take somebody's <laughs> keys. I don't, I don't know what to talk about. <laughs> I, um, I never pull my jokes with a with a straight face. <laughs> he is dry pranks. Yeah, <laughs> Frank Sinatra. Um, ah, I like that. But I had a student ask me this week what my favorite scene was because he, uh, I played the soundtrack and he's like, I love this movie. And so we were sitting in the uh, crossover ceremony or whatever it was, and he said, What's your favorite scene? And I was like, I think it has to be in the science class where Ash says, where, where his lab partner's the girl and she starts falling for Christofferson. And Ash just turns and says, you're supposed to be my lab partner. Yeah. I am. No, you're not. You're disloyal. <laughs> and, like, that's all. They just, like, cut. And it's <laughs> such a what? Like, what? <laughs> and before that, we, when the bully says, why is your cousin such a wet sandwich? He's like, I beg your pardon? You know, a wet sandwich. He's wearing his cape. He's different. He's like, are you a bully? You really starting to sound. You really sound like a bully, and he just ruins the whole experiment. And that's, yeah, I, I, that gives me a good that's idea of really who good scene. Ash and Christopherson are in their dynamic. Um, but mostly, I read this book to my first classroom after I saw the movie, and I loved how surprisingly true the movie remained to the book. Like I thought that the alcoholic cider was put in for effect. No, Roald Dahl made the alcoholic cider and put it in his book. Not, like, because the pages would have warped. Um, but even, like, the more sarcastic and dry lines are not only Wes Anderson-esque, but they are very Roald Dahl. Like, if I were to pick a director, in my opinion, that could just get the, like, weird, like, semi-darkness that, like, Roald Dahl does, but mixed with the, like, dry cynicism of, like, a Willy Wonka, it's Wes Anderson. Tim Burton. Well, Tim Burton... He, yes. Well, he did that. He yeah, did it very Tim well. Yeah, but Tim Burton ruined. No. That, oh, no. The Tim Burton Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is not good. I think the Tim oh. Burton Charlie and the Chocolate Factory gets a bad rap because Johnny Depp is a joke in it. But okay. everything else in that film is actually really well done. Yeah. Uh, well, then, then I need to see it again because it's I It's more remember, true to the book than the Charlie and the Chocolate yeah. Factory. Now everybody's told, told me well, that. Yeah. I've never read. I, I didn't read Roald Dahl as a kid. Yeah. I've never read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. See, I stuck. I didn't read a lot of them, but I read Matilda a lot. 
Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and there's something about the universe that he could paint. Did he do James and the Giant Peach? Mm-hmm. He did. Then I did read th- that's one book I do and the know BFG. I, I never read that one. But he was so good at like creating a like a unique world, and I think that's where he and Wes Anderson parallel is like Wes Anderson does things like his very like his own way, and it's weird and unique and dry, and that's the way Dahl was. Um, but what didn't work in this movie for you, Joe? Uh, for me, it was the stop motion medium. Is not something that is aesthetically pleasing to me in the film. It, it, I am not someone who gets into stop motion until I saw a movie recently this year, which I'll talk about later. Uh, Wes Andersonness, I, I think he's a style that you either love it or it rubs you the wrong way. And I know for me, it's something that rubs me the wrong way. Uh, so the dialogue. <laughs> It doesn't feel connected. I feel like the lines are read and recorded, but not to each other in the same booth, but and, but separately and in separate days. Because uh, the given, t- and I know that they recorded it in separate places, like, oh, we'll record this on a farm, you know, to get some different types of sound environments. But I'm talking about like, okay, George, I want you to go in the booth over there and I want you to read all your lines. And then you go home. And then two days later, okay, Meryl, you come in. I want you to read all your lines and then go home. It doesn't feel like there's a good back and forth. Um, the convoluted ways the farmers try to get to the foxes. Uh, deadpan delivery of 90% of the lines. Animals and humans communicate with each other in English. The letter Mr. Fox writes using magazine cuttings. I'm like, where is... I get you're trying to bring me into the world, but there are no rules in this world. And so it's hard for me to follow what is expected when you can write yourself out of anything. The book had a few rules. This really did not for me. So, JC, what about you? Can I actually comment on something you said? Mm-hmm. It's, you made a very good point with the dialogue doesn't feel connected. In a scene that I've always felt was like weirdly out of place, I did, but I love the whack bat scene. I do love it. Mm-hmm. it. But I was like, this doesn't like feel like it belongs with the rest of the movie. Like, why is you need why are for, we bringing Owen Wilson in? You need it for later when he has the bat. Right. Yeah. Um, Wes Anderson texted uh, Owen Wilson and said, we've got an idea for a coach. And he, like, sent him the ridiculous rules to whack. He's like, I think you'd be good with, like, the way this is presented. Mm-hmm. And they did it over the phone. Yeah. So, okay. So they were actually, like, Owen Wilson, I can't remember what movie they said he was working on. He was in a, the other part of a, some other time zone. <laughs> and that actually was completely done separately. So yeah. that's a really interesting you bring that up because I wonder how many other people they did that with. Mm-hmm. I agree with the dialogue thing that Joe, that Joe said. And it sort of, and it, because of that, I feel like I wasn't smart enough for this movie. Like I feel like I didn't get what it was trying to tell me, and so maybe I should have read the book first. But the flat out at the end of this movie, I still feel like that kid that everybody else got something, everybody else understood, and I'm like, I, I don't, I don't know what I was supposed to get out of the movie. I just leave confused. And can I make a comment about what you just said? And that is, you and I, when we first started off, we were talking about a trailer at one point, and you made a comment, which I think is going to resonate here, and that is, you said, I hate movies that think that they are smarter than you. Yeah. And that, so when, I, when you started saying that, I was like, there it is. Because yeah. Wes Anderson movies really come from a high place and talk down to you. Yeah. Artistically speaking. So, yeah. Something that's interesting about that, now that you say that, I wonder if that's like part of the humor, and not like not to defend it mm-hmm. in any way, but the funny thing about Wes Anderson, and I'm noticing again because you all just made a very good point, what they say is very like, uh, what's the word, pretentious. Yeah. And everything they say is very pretentious, but they're saying absolutely nothing 
in a pretentious way. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what it is that like makes me laugh at some of the things because they're saying like the most like they're saying stuff that like really makes no sense or yeah. doesn't have any like gravity to it, but he puts it in a way that's like you're supposed to think that it's smart. And I wonder if that's like part of his comedic contrast is and again, not like defending it, this is just me thinking out loud. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's his thing. He's like, we are going to do lines that should be taken very small, like lines that really don't mean anything else, but we're going to deliver them in a way that you feel like you should be listening intently. Yeah. Because they do that in a lot. He does that in a few different movies, too. Um, What about you, Joel? I don't like the scenes with his wife. I don't know why. I do not like Mrs. Fox, especially in the scene that I hate in this movie is when she says, they like have a moment, and he apologizes, and she says, I never should have married you. And like that's not in the book, and that's yeah, that is, and that's a line that I was even I like, hate that what scene. the what's going on? Like I, what yeah. lesson? I I always was like, okay, this is a kid's movie. I'm supposed to learn a lesson, and like you watch a scene like that, I'm like, what lesson was I supposed to learn from that? Like yeah. I'm just confused. Maybe, and I d- it could be in the book. I don't remember it, and maybe it's just because like I don't really care for Meryl Streep because she doesn't like football. So like <laughs> I feel like you could just like take her out of. I also don't like Meryl Streep. Like I just. <laughs> I'm not a Meryl Streep fan. <laughs> I've never seen anything of hers that I don't like, but I also... But everybody worships everything she does. Yeah. And, and I look back at her movies, and I'm like, she was good, but she, why does everybody fawn? I don't is understand. She, is she Hollywood's Beyonce? Like, oh, you're very talented, but why do you have this following? Like, why does everything, I everybody, like, but, bow down if, at your feet? And if you say bad things about Meryl Streep, boy, you get ripped, but yeah. I just, I don't get it. I don't, I don't either. Get it. And so I weirdly <laughs> <think> Nickelback. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like I honestly think that you could take her character out of this movie and it would be the same movie because she doesn't re- the the part of this that I do like is she, she has one of my favorite quotes in the movie so I guess I'm like really putting my f- both feet in my mouth when she says um he we're all a little different but there's something fantastic about that. I've got that in my classroom. It's that qu- it's her quote, but with a picture of Ash wearing the bandit hat. <laughs> and that was like hanging up on my bulletin board for a long time because I think that's what middle schoolers need to know. It's like we're we're all a bunch of freaks, but like <laughs> like it's something it's okay. Like it's okay to be a weirdo. Um but so who do you all think is the audience for this movie? Okay, good question. Uh my guess is adults who wish to see an animated film using stop motion to take advantage of nostalgia of the Rudolph and Frosty animated films from their youth. Uh, <laughs> That's specific. Well, <laughs> I was trying to think about because I'm like, we get into this idea of an animated film and we automatically think this is for kids. But then you have like a sausage party and you're like, not every animated film is meant for kids. Or a soft park. Not every single animated movie is meant for kids. I do not think this movie is meant for children. I think because immediately you start off with pregnancy themes. You go into a room full of alcoholic cider. There is a lot of cuss, 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 cuss. We all know what it means. It's funny as adults because we can sit there going, I know what they mean to say. But I don't think a lot, um, a mass amount of preteens and teens would get into this as a film. I think this is made for adults and not for kids. I also say adults, but I add adults who've read the book because I'm an adult. and uh, So adults who've read the book, I'm again, I'm confused because I know that a ton of kids went and saw this movie. And again, it gets great ratings. So, But I'm, it only made $46 million at I'm the box just, office. I'm just confused. But I also think the dry way that it's delivered, 
like you guys were talking about how, like you especially about how kids at uh, your school were getting into it. Well, I can understand how kids at our, 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 pre, our my previous school, your school, yeah. would like this because it is very deadpan delivery. Emotion is taken out for the most part in this, and it just speaks facts. Yeah, yeah. Joel, how about you? The and the interesting thing, well, Wes Anderson fans, honest, obviously. Um, I'm not a stop motion fan, but for some reason I like this movie. Um, I watched, I got this movie thinking, I'm going to be freaked out by this fox. (laughs) Like, I'm going to hate this movie because I don't like the stop motion thing. But for some reason, like, and again, any fan of dry humor, like, I like this movie. And I didn't think kids would like it either. But in every classroom that I've mentioned it in, if the kids that have seen it, I get a crazy positive reaction. And, you know, you're right. You would think at, like, where with, like, a certain uh, demographic, yeah, they would like it because it's deadpan. But the kids that I've gotten the biggest um, feedback from are the, like, like super typical kids that are, like, overly, like, they use a lot of emotions and they are, like, great conversationally. And, I mean, I had one kid in my first class that all the teachers were like, this kid's going to be, like, president of the United States. And they didn't say it as a joke. Mm-hmm. They're like, this kid, like, he... He had, like, overcome, like, cancer at a young age, so he'd, like, been through a lot by third grade. And so he was just the most well-spoken person at the school, adults included. And when they did the uh, uh, book character dress-up day, came uh, dressed up as, like, a perfect Mr. Fox. Okay. Like, he even had a clothespin tail, like, on the back of his pants. And <laughs> it's weird. Another, like, another student couldn't stop talking to me about it this week when he saw the copy on my desk that I was bringing for J.C., and so it's weird how far this film stretches, but I still don't know who it's for. Yeah. Like, it's, it's one of those, maybe we were talking earlier, like, we want to put a stamp on it and say it's for this audience. But this is like a weird, like, fl- movie that's kind of, like, floating in the bathtub, and there's, like, like, different people like it. It's, right. there's not one yeah. demographic. The only demographic that I can guarantee likes it are Wes Anderson fans. Right. But outside of that, I guarantee you my students have never seen Life Aquatic. They've never seen Rushmore. Yeah. So it's weird. I don't get it, and I think that might be what I like about this movie is that I don't know. All right. Um, all right. So movie report card A B C D F. No A plus in the animated feature film genre. Joe. Okay. This movie is everything you want out of a Wes Anderson film. If you are a film lover of Andersons, we got symmetrical framing, we got left to right tracking shots, and north to south tracking shots. We got one dimensional characters. We got title cards when change of setting occurs. And we've got over, over, over expositional moments. Uh, This movie gave me an interesting question to ponder. Why use stop motion animation? The only reason I can see for this is that it is an animation style that matches best with Anderson's filmmaking eye. The storytelling itself is pretty easy to follow, as are most of Anderson's films, because it's spoon-fed to you through exposition. It has its quirky moments, like the use of the word cuss, Mr. Fox's whistle click-click, and civilized behavior juxtaposed with animalistic nature. Unfortunately, none of this really fleshes out any of these characters beyond their one-dimensional personalities. Even in Inside Out, the individual personality traits exhibited other traits. Joy felt disappointment. The wit is there. The story is there. The direction is there. But it feels a bit formulaic at times. There's occasional moments where reality is bent for the sake of humor and or visuals, and it can be said that Wes Anderson's style tends to straddle fence between animation and reality. Paused looks in reality are different than paused looks in animation. A human's face that is still can still convey soul. An animated face that is still conveys 
nothing. It's hard to feel anything for the characters in this because there's no real sense of danger since everything that is dangerous is supported with overly positive-sounding music. Still, when it comes to stop motion, there are few that are better than this. Overall, I'm giving this a B plus. Ooh, wow. Surprise. I'm, I'm a, I, I, honest review. Honest okay? review. <laughs> <clears throat> Jesse? JC, how about you? Uh, I give it a B primarily because I didn't get it. Like, if I don't get the story... Mm-hmm. The story's a big part for me, and I feel like this is one of those movies that if I see it over and over and over and over again, I will get to the level of appreciation that Joel is at. Mm. The problem is, is because I didn't get it the first time, unless somebody else wants to watch it, this is one of those movies I will watch it if somebody else wants to. If the boy wants to watch this, I will watch it with him. If Joel wants to watch this, I will watch it with him. Mm -hmm. But if you're asking me, am I going to go out of my way to spend my time to watch this movie? No, I'm not. Yeah. So that knocks it down two pegs from like like A plus to A. I mean what, A to A minus. Or yeah, A to A minus, sorry. What <laughs> knocks it down from uh, B plus to B again is me not knowing what the point of the movie is or me being confused by what the the what the lesson I'm trying to get from it, which maybe that's tied to story, so maybe I'm saying the same thing twice, but either way, I, I just leave confused. So okay. that drops in another thing. But everything else is great. I love the voice acting. I love the music. I love the stop in it. Like, and the category is animation film. It is a really good animation film. Yeah, we're so, not saying children's film here. We're saying no, animated we're not, film. Yeah, and I would... To the the reality is, is even after listening to our analysis, this is not a kid's movie to me. I think the themes are too big or too deep. Um, so I personally think it can't be lower than a B. I, I may, uh, I think after listening to Joe's expectation, I'm going to bump mine up to a B plus as well. But I couldn't, I couldn't go lower than a B because yeah. of that. But I just, I, I don't get it. And I won't watch it unless somebody else wants to watch it with me to maybe say, hey, did you get that? I'm like, oh, no, I didn't. But thanks for pointing it out to me because I didn't get it on my own. I, w- I wasn't smart enough to get it on my own. <laughs> is, this your, is this your first Wes Anderson film? Yeah, it must be because okay. you guys keep saying about Wes Anderson. And I've never seen Rushmore. I've never seen Life Aquatic. Royal Tenenbaums, have you seen that? Nope. If you've seen any of the characters on this mug that I have, that, <laughs> might, that might help. Moonrise Kingdom? Nope. <laughs> That's an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So, um, so yes. So then, this is my first West Anderson. Okay, I, I don't. I have never seen it. Okay, Joel. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I don't disagree with anything that's been said today. Because right. usually, like, you know, you come in trying to say like, oh, you know, this is a movie you like. Don't get discouraged. But I've heard everything you said, and it's just like, it's not like made me rethink anything that I've thought. It's actually just like in like reinforced it mm-hmm. because like my one of my favorite parts is that. It made me think, and I guess I like things that humble me in a way. Yeah. Um, that's why I like Lord of the Rings, because I still have no idea what's going on. They're walking up. for three movies. No, hold up for a thing. second. This movie makes sense to you, but Lord of the Rings, you get lost? No, I didn't say this makes full sense to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> for a second, I'm like, wait a second. No, I'm saying like there are certain movies that were made with like a certain idea that you, I couldn't get it the first time. Um, so when I finish the movie, I say not, I need to watch it again to understand, but it's, I have to watch this again to focus on this part. And I have to watch it again to focus on this part. Kind of like, did you ever see the movie crash? It was like 2005 or whatever. Um, I remember watching, I was like, I need to watch that again. Um, 
I love the biology aspect and the way that it incorporates the Latin names and presents it to a younger audience. The roll call scene is shown at the beginning of my classifications unit every year. Um, the deeper meanings that allow you to have something to look into when you rewatch the film. As a standalone movie, it's a fun movie that is quirky and clever, has quirky and clever humor, and can enjoyed by young and old minds, if that's their cup of tea. Um, but it also stands strong as a film that you can look at from a deeper level and discuss the philosophy behind each character, the natural desires of belonging, whether it's Ash wanting to make his dad proud, Fox wanting to be a fox, but also wanting to be a family man, the search for personal identity, um, the aspects of our natural being that connect us all, and even the ongoing lines about the different phobias. So, like, you know, they're, that's, one, that's the one I'm on now. Like, I've figured out all this, and then I'm like, I don't understand why they keep talking about the phobias. Um, I like the wolf at the end. We talked about it. The wolf, it's like this parallel, this contrast between a domesticated wild animal and then a truly wild animal that they don't speak the same language, but there's still this common, like, mutual respect when they hold up the fist. Um, the film stays... The film stays true to the book when it goes off course, well, for the most part. It is to pay tribute to the other works of Dahl, like the blueberry scene was pulled from another uh, book. And I believe they added in Ash just to make more of a well-rounded, multi-dimensional film. Obviously, like, I'm giving this an A just because it hits all the different aspects for a film that I would want. All right. um, and what I believe films should have is make you want to watch it again. But, yeah, it's an A for me. JC, I noticed there's a change in your grade here. Yeah, as I was listening to him talk, I agreed, but then I realized something myself. I know why I, I knocked it down to a B. I wouldn't watch it again unless it was with somebody else. So if the whole point of this is for, like, we're giving our grades for what people would do, mm -hmm. if I myself am not going to watch this ever again unless somebody else wants to watch it, I can't give it a B plus, which is a B. I think in our rankings, like B plus is like, you need to go watch this type of thing. And I can't honestly say that because... I don't get it. I can't honestly tell the audience to go watch something I don't get. I love how we're <laughs> arguing which degrees of great this movie is. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I mean, that's really it. We're, it's, we're, no one here is sitting there like, this is a complete failure. This no, is a it's C. not a bad movie. I just a, don't we're get it. between an A and a B here. It's a <laughs> I, I'm, I'm literally arguing because clearly it's good. Yeah. I just don't get it. I don't get why it's, like, my head hurts. It's a thinker. <laughs> I'm not smart enough for this movie. I'm not. <laughs> That's the bottom line. It's a thinker. Um, if this movie was released on Blu-ray or DVD, yes. whatever, VHS, film reel, would you yep. buy it, bin it, stream it, borrow it, or forget about it? I'm going to forget about it. And here's the reason why. I'm, first of all, I am thankful that you picked this movie because it's the one Wes Anderson movie I hadn't seen. Oh, I didn't realize that. Um, but... I, I, I realize that the last two or three I've seen, I have forced myself to watch because it's just not an aesthetic that I'm into. Uh, and uh, so I forget about it. My, personally, because this is my own personal opinion, I forget about it. JC, how about you? Uh, stream it. I, I, I do wonder, because I'm not smart enough to get it, if I need to keep <laughs> watching it so that I can become smarter and watching it more. But I'm not going to spend money on this. Like, yeah. And I wouldn't honestly, if I saw it in a bin, I wouldn't buy it. So it's one of those, if I see it again, I will watch it again by streaming it so if I can get smarter. But I'm also at the age where I'm okay being dumb. 
And this <laughs> and, and this this movie makes me feel dumb. So if I never see it again, I, I I could forget about it, but I'd watch it again if somebody else wanted to watch it. All right, Joel, how about you? <laughs> well, I bought it <laughs> before I watched it yeah. for the first time, but um, I would probably if I saw it, I would buy it again. Uh, I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> I bought the Blu-ray and the DVD. I let my brother borrow the DVD and his wife, and, but if he doesn't watch it soon, it's been about two years, I'm asking for it two back. Two years? Ouch. Well, they moved time. to Memphis, so I was like, oh, I, I so put it in a two-year move? <laughs> I was like, here, you all need to watch this, and then they had a baby, and oh, they okay. moved, and they that's got more, jobs. That's more bigger and, than the movie. But I texted him. I was like, you actually have to watch this. Otherwise, like, I'm going to search for it in this house, and I'm going to like sneaky take it back, and then if he says, hey, I was going to go watch it, but I lost it. Then you can say, yeah, I, I, I took it. Um, but that's it. Well, we got ourselves an A, a B, a B plus. This is averaging out to be a B plus. B plus? C plus. Yeah. So, uh, I like fair, it. It fair, did. Fair roll on that one, it buddy. It did get newsied. No newsied. It did not get newsied. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> I was worried because the way that I took, like, I was trying to get through this thing, I was, I, I real when I try to write my little essay, I try to find as many little, pros. Little and, essay. My little pros and little cons throughout the like entire a, thing so it can and balance out both ways. And I was reading it, I was like, Joel's going to hate this when I'm done with because he's going to be like, Joel, you suck. Uh, but it sounds like we all agree with a lot of similar things. And yeah. some of them are just perspective issues. I'm, so, not, I'm not that smart. Well, it's we've okay. got – that's the good thing about having this podcast is we've got people that have very different points of view and that are attracted to different things. You all have talked about movies that I'm like, I want to watch them. It's just not my cup of tea. Yeah. And, like, you can watch it and you can appreciate it. Like, certain, like, superhero movies that I still need to watch and that I have watched. I'm like, oh, that was a really great movie. Um, but it isn't in my like top ten of movies on my shelf. I'm like, I have to watch that today. Yeah. So that's it is a movie podcast. You appreciate it for what it is, not whether it's like your movie or not. There you go. Otherwise, no one would want to listen. Well, that's all we've got time for today, Movie Planeteers. Next show, we'll take a look at this summer's hit, Toy Story Four. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify, and give us a four- or five-star review. Tweet with any questions, comments, theories, and I'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to at movieplanetpod and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. Special thanks to everybody that provided all of our time on this, providing our intro and closing music and all of our shows, Twisterium and Sound J Music. Thanks for listening. And happy movie watching. <laughs>